Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And celebrating Pride Month once more, we are starting off dark and strong, uh, like, a, like my coffee, with a Japanese animated film from 97, Perfect Blue. And the very clear when you watch the back-to-back rip-off that is uh, 2010's Black Swan. Yeah. So these are, I mean, I don't know how much queer content we're going to get out of these. But they're two movies about perfectionism and obsession and voyeurism and uh, the pressure that performers are under, especially young performers and disassociative identity disorder and hallucinations and just there's definitely sexuality stuff in there but it's it's mixed in with uh, the whole melting pot of a lot of confusion so um the main question i came away from both of these films with was what is real (laughs) (laughs) what is reality (laughs) in either of these because i feel um, for those who haven't seen either or either of these movies, um, Perfect Blue is not a movie you can go into being like, like even the blurb alone, you were like, I didn't want to read the blurb. Yeah, I, I read like, because I read like half the blurb before we started watching it. I was like, I don't want to read the whole blurb because I'm already upset by this. <laughs> yes. It's not a movie you can sit down and just be like, oh, I'm just going to watch this movie. It is definitely within... Um, if you're a person who has never experienced animated film out of Japan, um, it really does do what Western Hollywood films do, but in an animated sense, there is no boundaries. Um, it's very interesting. I won't go into the fully into it, but basically... Um, Japan didn't have the same censorship laws that America did and because of that the, the media is about to evolve to the point where you know you, it's like you can't put you know in the west we're like you can't put adult themes in cartoons cartoons mm. are for children and children alone it's like no 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 like, it's in there you know I saw a list uh, a while back I think it popped up on Reddit um, and it was talking about like the most influential films for Western audiences that came out of Japan. And Perfect Blue's up there. Mm. Um, obviously, the, the classics of one of my favourites was of Gone, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yep. Um, uh, there's uh, Ninja Scroll, Spriggan. You know, there's a lot of action-y, action-y ones in there. What it's called, um, Akira? Yeah, Ak- Akira's in there. Because um, it's just showing, from a, from a Westerner, if you haven't seen, well, it's very rare now because of the internet, but, like, yeah. if you'd never seen any of those movies or have not been, in a, for our generation at least, where you couldn't just, like, find a movie online and then be able to watch it somehow. Yeah, not yeah. A, Not saying piracy is a good thing, but, like, you know, back in my day, you had to go to the friggin' video VCR rental place. Yeah, yeah. And if they didn't have a movie... You did never you, see the movie. You've never seen it. If it didn't show up on TV at 9pm one Wednesday, yeah. you know. Um, it's interesting the, the points you're making there about um, Japanese cinema and about how, you know, 
putting adult themes into into you know animated films and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in relation to these films, for two reasons, because one, Perfect Blue was originally supposed to be a live action film. Yeah. It was conceptualized as a live action film, and they only switched to animation, um, when some of their their backers backed out of the project and didn't want to fund it anymore. Um, <clears throat> but also. Um, because Black Swan got a lot of backlash and complaints about having adult uh, themes in it, <laughs> when it was, because uh, it was, I think, um, the British Board of Film Classification classed it as a 15, so it meant that you had to be 15 years or older to go see it. I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was the film that they got the most complaints about, because there is a homosexual sex scene in it. Yeah. Um, and the, the best the, of all time. <laughs> the film classification office had to come out and say, we rate this the same way that we would rate... The sex scene between straight people. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, they, they're wearing clothes the whole time. You don't actually see any, you know... Um, you, you don't see generals. You don't see any, you know, sexual or, you know, anything that's you know, that people would actually would complain about and put it into, like, an 18s thing. You know, yeah. if that was a man and a woman, there wouldn't be... There would be no complaints. Yeah. Um, so they used the same classifications that they would use. They said they don't discriminate, you know, based on the genders of the people involved, and it fit the the classification of 15s. So they released it as a 15s movie, but they got the most complaints they've ever gotten about a movie, and every single one of them mentioned that scene. I can just picture a bunch of Puritan people now taking their kids to the movies and being like, "Oh, you, young Jimmy and Jane, you're old enough to go to a like a uh, like a uh, what would fifteen in New Zealand be like M, like mature mature audiences." Is that fifteen? I thought like, that was eighteen and over, isn't it? No, eighteen and over is like you have to be eighteen. Oh, okay. Mature yeah. is just like you're not going to freak out in the movie theater and scream and run and hide. Yeah, I don't like, know. See, I grew up in P- Ireland. We also just had ages yeah. on them. <laughs> Because PG is like parental guidance is advised. Yeah, so there's so um I think the British ones are the same as the Irish ones. So there's U, which is universal, so anyone can watch this film. Yeah, so that would be G. Right, and then there's PG, which is parental guidance is advised for people under the age of twelve or whatever. Yeah. And then there's PG thirteen, which is you know people thirteen and over can watch this, but we recommend parental guidance for anyone who's under 13, but you know, it's I, but it's like a little bit higher than regular PG. Cause it's like, Hey, there's like specific yeah. that's, things here. That's, we can thank Spielberg for PG 13. Right. And then we had, um, just age class. Measures. There was 15 and there was 16 and then there was 18. There's no seven. I don't never saw a film that was 17. What's, what's the difference between 15 and 16? I don't know, but there definitely was because like, because I used to lie about my age to get into the <gasps> cinema. Shock. And I remember being 14, trying to get into 15 films, and also being 14, trying to get into 16 films, and it would, took a little bit more lying. My parents, I don't think my parents are going to be shocked to hear this. <laughs> they knew what films I was going to see. It wasn't like I was trying to get into racy films. I just was a little bit into horror more than people, other 14-year-olds might have been. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I lied about my age to get into The Cave, which is not a good movie, you know? <laughs> Um, I did when I was 17 lie about being 18 to go see Pathology but again I was doing it because I was interested in the horror aspects of it and then it, it turns out there is weird sexual stuff in that and I, I didn't like that at all 
Um, but that's not what I went to see it for. <laughs> it's quite funny um, that we've started with this particular sequence in Black Swan because um, years ago when this movie came out and I was working with someone and we'd discussed the movie mm-hmm. and she had mentioned her uh, her and her partner had seen it. Right. And he was a very lovely, like genuinely I met him a couple of times, he was a very lovely but very conservative Samoan boy who goes to church right. and kisses his mum goodbye every day and he had that moment of, oh yes, the floor is made of floor and the roof <laughs> is made of roof when that scene and he's just like, yeah. can't look directly at the scene. Like, I find some of the imagery in Black Swan, obviously like, we're not talking about perfect blue for, you know, there's a huge difference, but um, in Black Swan, like, the sequences with the body horror that happen mm-hmm. and like I'm the kind of person who watched someone get like ripped apart by aliens or disintegrated or burned and be like haha look at that dick yeah but as soon as like someone's peeling nails yeah or skin around like cuticle skin or just anything related to feet pain uh, it, I, I find that physically disturbing yeah I think you can feel it you yeah. know what I mean because, like, when she starts picking up, like, I've picked up, you know, yeah. about my nails off, but then she just pulls it and just keeps going, and you're like, no, just stop, just yeah. stop doing yeah. it. Like, it's horrifying. It's genuinely horrifying. And it's just that it's it's very much like an escalation from something normal into, like, just pushing it slightly too far. It's very, the cinematography in those sequences is very visceral as well. It's mm. not, you can't, like, you can't look away. Yeah. But yeah, the toe stuff, like just her taking her shoe off and her sock, well, it's her ballerina, I don't know, ballerina shoes called something differently, do you know? They're wearing point shoes, yeah, aren't yeah. they? The ones with the blocks and the... Yeah, so yeah, she peels her little shoes. slipper off and her sock and then the toenails facing at a 45 degree angle and you're like, ah, no, please. Um, yeah, the, the flip side to that in Perfect Blue is you get full up simulated sexual assault sequences for a TV show that the star of the, the main character is acting in. It's Perfect Blue is so interesting. So I was saying this to you like as I don't know, I think it was after we finished watching it that I really would love to see a cinema therapy episode on it because I'd I like to know I think that would end up on YouTube. They would yeah, have to have a Patreon only because Probably, like, probably because I think they do tend to stick to, to more uh, PG PG stuff. But it's um just on the basis of it does seem to be like um disassociative identity disorder except it feels like everyone in the movie has yeah, it so it's... but it's this it's this weird there's a weird mirroring thing. it's funny i say mirroring because in black swan there's mirrors in literally every shot yeah. of the film like all, or almost every shot every scene definitely almost every shot um but the the mirroring in perfect blue is that she's you know, she was a pop idol and now she wants to be a serious actress. So she's starting out with, in a, you know, one episode of a detective show where she gets one line. Yeah. And then it's like trying to build from that to get a recurring part in the series. But like, what's happening in the show is what's happening to her in real life. Except that it's more clear cut in the show that she's filming because from what I understand of dissociative identity disorder is that like it is triggered by a traumatic event. Yeah. 
and then you start you develop this second personality who lives through trauma for you remembers your trauma so that you don't have to and she's clearly going through that in her life as is um nina in black swan they're both going through this like split in their you know this, this kind of shattering of their personalities where they are experiencing uh, lapses in time and all this stuff that's going on but we don't I don't really know what the triggering event is for either of them whereas in the like show where where uh, Mima is playing a character the character is raped yeah and then the character experiences the same thing that she's experiencing in her real life where she's getting these you know episodes where she's someone else and um you know is violent and is whatever and you know but is protecting herself from that trauma. Yeah. Um, so it's really, I thought it was really interesting that in both films, the actual character experiencing it, we don't really get to see a, like a definitive traumatic event. It's, it's the interesting you point that out because what I think Perfect Blue does better because it is animated and you couldn't do Like they tried, they tried really hard in Black Swan. Mm but it kind of misses the mark. As an audience member, you have, while watching Perfect Blue, you have no friggin' clue what is real and what is not. And there are sequences that happen in an order where you think they're real, and then everything's perfectly fine. And even the character's like, wait, didn't I, shouldn't I be all covered in blood? And you're like, I'm confused. who's, Who's the real killer? What's happening? Is a copycat killers like who's the obsessed? Like it's such yeah. a bizarre and way to portray something to an audience with, through storytelling. But um, um, Black Swan do it does it really well. Yeah, where she Nina keeps seeing herself in other people, mm-hmm. and the play between Natalie Portman and Mina Kunitz, where you get this like Natalie is in essence, as the person, the white swan. Yeah. And uh, Mina Kunis is literally her sexier, more aggressive, more lustful sister. Mm-hmm. And the combination of the like her reflecting that attitude at a person who's not like... She's like half confused half the friggin' time of what's happening. Yeah. Including the sex scene, which like you don't know isn't real until she wakes up the next morning and is just like, oh, wait, when, didn't you stay at my house? And she's like, what? Like, yeah. what are you talking about, sister? And even in that moment, they leave it ambiguous enough that you're like, is she just messing with her? Yeah. Um, and it's and in Perfect Blue, I think one of the, exa- one of the tamer examples, but like that really messed with my mind for the whole thing, um, is the website. There's a website that's got like, pictures of her and her diary and it's like giving like very specific details of what she's doing throughout her day yeah and you think it's the stalker but then there's the as you know as it becomes clear that she's like losing time and she's not you're having these weird dreams and you're not sure she's doing these violent things so if you're like wait a second is she running the website yeah is this a split version of her that's actually doing this and she doesn't remember it and then you get, you know, the guy that you think is running the website is getting emails from the website. And you're just yeah. like, hang on, what is happening? Like, who's running this? Because is it just her? Um, and it's, I mean, I think, you know, by the end of it, you know that it's not her in yeah. that instance. But, like, 
it just as easily could be. Yeah. That she's having these these disassociative episodes where she's totally a different person. I I I'm sad that I've never seen Perfect Blue before. That's um, good. Because <laughs> I wish I had used it in my thesis. Um, you're looking <laughs> at me strangely because I think you know what my thesis was about. Yeah. Because my my it was my thesis was about facial hair. Yeah. But um, one of the chapters. Um, was about the use of facial hair in film in particular, but all their visual media, to as as a visual representative, uh, sorry, representative of the state of mind. Yeah. Um, and part of what I had to do to really like hone in on that was to say, well, what do filmmakers do for people who are not male yeah. or do not have the ability to grow facial hair, um, and what I found was that in most cases, and I studied a few different films for this, um, and it was um, the outside world was affected by the, the woman's um, state of mind. Yeah. So it was, so as like, I think I used to be like um, truly madly deeply, melancholia, things like that. I think melancholia, it's nuts because it's, it's just a nuts film and like yeah. there's an apocalypse because she's depressed. Whereas in, you know, in other films, it's very, it's like... In just even just like rom coms, a regular film where there's a woman and she's going through mental health issues, more often than not, what they'll do is they'll have her apartment or her house or her room become more and more disorganized. Yeah. And Perfect Blue was like a perfect example of that. Like, yeah. as her mind got more split, she'd like wake up and her room would be just everything would be everywhere. And then, you know, and her fish died and her just. Did a fish really die, though? I don't know. The fish were dead, and then they were alive, and then they were dead, and then there were different fish in a different apartment. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, but it was very much that, like, she'd... These things would happen, and then she'd wake up not sure what's real and what's not, and her apartment would be a mess. Yeah. Whereas at the beginning of it, when she's, like, feeling happy and good, it's immaculate. Yeah. Um, but it's also your sort of... For that point of view, when you're talking about, like, how mess can affect mood... Mm-hmm. When you're happy, you also sort of um, Lily Allen sings about this in one of her one of the song, like one of the albums that made her quite famous, um, like looking twice at things because mm. the first time you just see something and you're like la 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 that's normal and you're like oh that's not actually normal but yeah. because I'm in such a good mood I'm not like I'm that imagery is not going to ruin my day True. so therefore I'm going to see it differently to what reality actually is yeah. And you find that quite a lot um, people who suffer from mental health will basically just, like, let the mess that is inside their head flow out of them. Yeah. And, and if... I notice it myself when I am feeling down, instead of taking a plate from where I'm done eating to the kitchen or to the dishwasher or whatever... I'll just be like, that's on the floor, I can't be bothered anymore. And I'll just, it, it'll be gone. Yeah. Like, it's literally, it doesn't exist anymore. It's it's very much an energy thing, though, as well. Because, I mean, that's why people use facial hair for it, for men. Because it's just very easy to do. Yeah. But it's this idea that when you're in a bad mental state, you're not looking after yourself. You're not doing the extra things. You're not, you don't have the energy to tidy up. You don't have the energy to groom yourself. You don't have the energy to shave, you know? Yeah. And that's why on it's very easy on men to be like, oh, you know, he's depressed, so he grew a beard. 
you yeah. know, in film. <laughs> I mean, it does happen in real life, yeah, but, yeah. you know. Um, whereas with women, because they don't have such a, you know, obvious physical thing about themselves that you can change that easily. Like, often, you know, you might make their clothes more disheveled or whatever, but more often than not, it doesn't be what's around them will change. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, I just find that very interesting that Perfect Blue did that so well. I think in Black Swan, the way they did it was they just increased the mirrors. Um, yeah. Which sounds weird, but, like, in the be- you know, towards the beginning of it, when she looks in a mirror, it's just her looking in a mirror. Whereas then you get, like, when she's more fragmented, you get, like, the mirrors that are, where there's, you know, she's got a mirror in her house that's, like, a central mirror with a whole lot of splintered mirrors around it. Yeah. So you see, like, a whole lot of broken reflections, and then there's you should, a bit where she's talking to her mother, and there's, like, a three-segment mirror, and there's this bit where she's looking in a mirror, and there's other mirrors behind her, so it's just an echo chamber of mirrors. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because the cinematography in Black Swan is done really well because it makes you feel very claustrophobic. Like the scenes are very tight and intimate. Um, there are very few large, wide shots that aren't stage-related. Yeah. And it's always from Nina's perspective as well. Mm. Like even the dance, because when they go to the after they take drugs and go to the club, there's in most of those like sexually. Um, uh, I can't think of the word. Um, I was going to say leavening, but that's not like a like a rising word. Uh, don't worry. Um, w- w- the tension when the tension is growing mm-hmm. between the uh, Nina and uh, I can't remember what was it. Oh, uh, Lily. Lily, yeah. Um, in standard dance sequences, you get like from from the other movies and other things. Like if you remember. Um, the Matrix cave rave scene. Even, uh, no, you haven't seen it? I d- I'm just not remembering it. Okay. Uh, the uh, Blood Rave and Blade one. I haven't seen Blade, you know that one. Okay. So the sequences, <laughs> the music plays, but the film is slowed down, so everything is more flowy, and the fact right, that people okay. are jumping, and it's like, it's slow, the lighting's low, but like, it's like there's always up lighting mm. and so the outside of the frame is dark and you're sort of pushed in on the characters like I honestly think um, I like a lot of the Disney Mar- uh, Marvel movies Okay. but Blade uh, the first Blade and that first opening sequence I will play Pepsi Challenge against any sequence from any of the Marvel movies, it's just that well done. It's Pepsi Challenge. It was an old thing from the 90s where you drink a can of, some of you get two Dixie cups and one of them's got Pepsi and one of them's got leading other brand and you can pick the Pepsi out. Oh, okay. It's Pepsi Challenge. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no? Weird. Okay. Um, that's American culture flowing into New Zealand oh, via TV um, in the late 90s, early 90s. Um, where was I going? Yeah, so those, in con, no, the in, out, sorry, something in my eye, sorry, um, (laughs) in the, in the sequence with the dance sequence, in the sequence of the dance sequence, I'm done all over my words today. It's okay, just continue. The, 
lighting is very, very, very harsh. It mm. is either full red or full green, which yeah. in my mind was like, ah, Christmas. But um, <laughs> the it's very confusing if you don't know which person's which mm. because they sort of mold it. It's like a, almost like a metamorphosis sort of sequence where they're molding into one, yeah. which ends up then being Kissy and, you know, later. But that's, like, it's sort of that escalation moment. And it's just, it's interesting because it just shows a lot about the mindset of the cinematographer mm-hmm. and how it's they're trying to portray everything very viscerally. Mm-hmm. And I think that does the movie a lot of justice and makes it a better than it would have been. As it is, like, basically a cut-and-paste copy. Well, <laughs> blue with some, listen, some details I hate to break it to you, but Darren Aronofsky is doing a, a Luc Besson original idea, do not copy, because yeah. he insists that there was no inspiration drawn from Perfect Blue. Right. And what's really funny about that is that, like, half the IMDb tribute for, for Black Swan is like, this scene is a direct reshoot of... <laughs> it's like, this this shot is a exactly reconstructed shot from Perfect Blue. And Darren Ar- Aronofsky says that uh, he drew no inspiration. Yeah. And this sequence is... And you're just like, <laughs> okay. It's the same as um, Hunger Games and Battle Royale, though. Mm. Like, people can have the same idea, and then you, people can accuse him of plagiarism and just be like, well... Yeah, no, but there's definitely, there's shots in it, like the bathtub yeah. stuff, yeah. it's literally just lifted from Perfect yeah. Blue. You know, there's shots that are just taken, just like yoinked straight out of Perfect Blue. Um, so it's weird that he says that there's absolutely no inspiration from it. Do you think women in bathtubs is a trope? Uh, do I think women in bathtubs is a trope? Yeah. What do you mean? I think it's something that Darren Aronofsky... Oh my god, I'm saying his name too too quickly. Darren Aronofsky does a lot. Because there's a bathtub scene in Wrecking for a Dream, yeah. there's a bathtub scene in The Fountain, there's a bathtub scene in this. Um, I think he loves putting women in bathtubs. Okay. I don't know if it's his, his Tarantino peak thing, which is what I assume you're thinking of. <laughs> well, it's just interesting, because, yeah, like, literally when you said uh, about the sequence in the bathtub, I didn't think of perfect... I didn't think of Perfect Blue, I didn't think of Black Swan, I thought of Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, but it's funny, because in the trivia for Perfect Blue, it says this scene was an inspiration for a scene in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just, it just, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just, it feels like a trope. It's like, men shower, women take baths. I, but I think it's, um, I feel like it's, it's literally a trademark of Darren Aronofsky Hmm. to have... Like a woman having a mental health crisis in a bathtub. Yeah. Um, though the one in the fountain, I believe, she has a mental health crisis in her. It's more, a more central scene in the bathtub in the fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. He definitely there's definitely scenes and shots from, like even just the you know her on the train looking at her reflection. Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent a rip off. Like you can't. It's the same shot, yeah, you know? Yeah, and then she sees herself, but it's not herself. It's Mila Kunis's character, like... Yeah, and they, like, do, they do a lot of the Mila Kunis, you know, in the dark looking like yeah. um, Natalie Portman stuff, and it's... Yeah. 
It's, I don't know. The face changes are really creepy. Yeah. And they did it really well. Um, because in Perfect Blue, you're seeing, sp- obviously spoilers, but like, you find out at the, are we too, are we too early? No, to go start for it. To, we, okay. can, we can talk about the Because I mean, it is, it is, I think it ties into, especially if we want to talk about, like, t- try and talk about queerness in these films. Yeah. It ties into that. So, the murders that are taking place in real life, um, in Perfect Blue, are being committed by her, like, manager, her talent, um, talent agent. And the reason being that the talent agent is committing these murders to these people, even though She's fine with, like, the the uh, sexual assault sequence, like, what's happening in her... Um, she's trying to progress as a actress, as a model, getting away from the pop idol, the, the J-pop star thing. And it is her talent agent who is literally running the website, completely obsessed with this person that isn't real, and committing these crimes because of these people who she visions to herself are hurting the image which is the thing she wants to be it is obsessed with yeah so and she, it's really disturbing so she is a former pop idol herself yeah. um and so and she's aged out of it much like um Winona Ryder's character Beth in, yeah. in Black Swan and um she's aged out of it she's been replaced um, and she seems to be fine with having been replaced, um, but she lives vicariously through Mima and her um, her pop idol career yeah. and status. And then when Mima decides she wants to move away from that and give up being a pop idol and go into you know acting, whatever, um, she has some kind of a split where she believes that she is Mima, is yeah. the real Mima, and yeah. that the actual real Mima is an imposter who's trying to destroy her image. So she's like, no, no, I want to keep being an idol and, you know, don't look at this stuff like that's an imposter who's, you know, pretending to be, who's, you know, raped on TV and yeah. is doing these nude photo shoots and whatever. Um, and she kills the screenwriter who wrote the rape scene. She kills the photographer who took the, 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 uh, the nude photos. And it's like, oh, okay. And then she writes to this guy who we think like at this up until this point yeah, we yeah. think he is the killer the killer and this guy who is a like a stalker fan um she she believing she's mima writes to this guy and is like i'm the real mima you need to kill the imposter yeah so he then goes to try and kill the actual mima yeah <laughs> but it's very much that she's like she is obsessed with her with Mima so it's it's interesting because in Black Swan it's kind of the other way around that she that Nina wants to be Beth yeah. and she wants to replace Beth and become her and she you know even the part where she goes into her dressing room and steals her her stuff because she, you know she wants to be like her and puts on her makeup and yeah. things um she wants to become what what she was she wants to become the star that she was and in in Perfect Blue it's funny because it's she doesn't want to. The problem is that she doesn't want to follow in in um, what's what's her name? I've forgotten her name now. The Hope. the uh, 
the talent agent or the, the former idol. The former idol. Because I want to say Lima. It's it's close to being Mima. It begins with an R, I think. But um, anyway, she's she doesn't want to follow what her first step. She wants to do her own thing, and that's where the the split comes in. It's Rami. Rami. Yeah. Right. That was yeah, close, close enough. Close enough. Yeah. So um. So then it's the other way around that Rami is obsessed with her. Yeah. And wants to then become her, um, and take over her life and live you know live as her, um. Which is very interesting. Yeah, the, you definitely see, and it's interesting because I think I was chewing at you, uh, chewing at your ear when we were watching the movie. It's very interesting, um, even in the 90s, where this is coming on film, of just how bizarre. I think the West is a little bit more, we want the scandal, we feed on the scandal. Mm. Um I know you don't like South Park, but South Park did a really good episode on it about how them, like basically people get sacrificed, which is really dark and twisted, but it's a very interesting episode. But the, the point I'm making is like in the West, like we, we've seen documentaries about how basically the, the public ate Britney Spears alive. Mm. And it was, you know, we now we know that it was her father who was the biggest big huge giant piece of shit controlling her life and her money and everything she can do because you know they were basically forcing her to have a mental breakdown because of her schedule and everything else and the amount of pressure they're putting on her um which i think is what perfect blue is about to some extent yeah um so the the interesting the pit that i was chewing your ear about uh which i'll just um reiterate for our audience is uh k-pop the korean pop massive tidal wave that has hit the West. Size, I think, one of the biggest contributors to that. Um, the the culture they live in in that society is very different to what we perceive in the West. In the West, you think, people get, people get a hit, they get a record deal, they end up on every channel, every radio station all the time, they get lots of money, they live in a big mansion, they're you know they're well off everybody's well off everybody's happy and then they have some scandals where they break up with some hollywood person that they were dating and blah 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 or uh, you know unfortunately like it's happened to some um, female performers where they've had miscarriages and you know it's been front page news and it's like that's the darkest point and like these people have no like they're horrible horrible people but it sells magazines that's which is literally their entire job spoiler i think that's going to come up briefly in the next episode as well yeah. they've got something i want to talk about <laughs> um the going on to what it's like in the k-pop world which is these people are controlled by the producer because it's not run as in like oh here's a girl we found in little you know little rock or somewhere you know in denver or, and it's like let's see if she can sell some records or let's see if this band can you know get somewhere this is like very industrialized it is let's get these people let's get them in the clothing they all live in a compound together so they all can't leave so there's no scrutiny from the paparazzi 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 Mm -hmm. i don't know the word um how it's actually pronounced 
Um, the paparazzi. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then there's the the Lady Gaga version of that. Um, the the like they're basically not allowed to date because it's that whole image of like you the audience has to imagine themselves with them, um, and it's a very very controlled, very produced. Everything is like overly done over the top. And, you know, I remember a scandal that came out because um, one lead singer from one all-girl group was dating another guy from another all-boy group and everyone was like, oh my god, they're actually human beings! It's like, you know shit, motherfucker! <laughs> like, this is why in the West we have people, like, shaving their heads and, and, and drinking and, you know, you have, look at literally any any celebrity female who's been left to her own devices they just end up being surrounded by yes men and enablers and people that make you help you make terrible decisions it's weird because i don't know i don't know enough about the situation i didn't bother to research it because um, <coughs> i don't want to talk about it at length but um watching perfect blue for some reason the first person i thought about was miley cyrus yeah um where it's like this like clean disney pop image of this is what you must be and then like well i want to be seen as an adult so let me just verge into this yeah. totally different image um which is what she's kind of doing i think miley's done like miley had some trouble in the middle but i think now that she's taken control of it like she released an entire new mm. um photo shoot she did and she's just like, hey, if you if you want to fantasize about it, literally here it is. Here it is. There yeah. you go. Like it's all um, out in the open. There's no taboo anymore. Like. And weirdly, um, this does tie back into Black Swan, not in terms of the story, but in terms of the actual filmmaking, which is that Natalie Portman has obviously you know, nude or mostly nude scenes in that film, and she has not had any since then. Yeah. And that's because... Um, so she had no problem doing that. She was quite confident and happy, like like um, Mima is in, in Perfect Blue, in the, you know, when she's doing the rape scene, she's like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. Let's just go ahead. We'll yeah. just pause while we're, you know, clipping in. Oh, yeah, let's do the scene again. You know, she's a professional actress. She's no problem with it. And she thinks, you know, the, the human body is, is beautiful and beautiful in film and can be used in an artful way. But because she's nude in that in that film, even though she, you don't see much of anything, mm. people put it on porn sites. Yeah. And then she was like, well, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So I will just never do a, a nude scene again in a film. Yeah, because the one that always comes up all the time is uh, she was in Your Highness, uh, which I don't think you've... Have you seen that movie? No. No, it's super weird. Um, fair enough. Um... She got a butt double for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's just weird. Um, literally, because she wasn't opposed to it at all yeah. before the film. And that it literally was just that it ended up on on porn sites. Um, and she just, you know, she said that then I think like half of every review about the film was about her body or about, yeah. the, you know, and she just was like, I don't. I feel like I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm not a prude. I don't, I'm not ashamed of it, but it took away from what should have been, yeah. you know, a great film. Um, which is why she's just decided not to do it in yeah. the future. Um, 
But it's interesting that, like, even, the, you know, because that's what, part of what that film is about, is, is the pressure to be perfect and the pressure to all, you know, like, obviously she suffers from bulimia in that film. Yeah. That the character, not the actress. Um, a lot of, you know, self-image issues and... Um, she says it's compulsive with the scratching on her back, which is, like, yep. super messy at the end of it and it's so fantastically done. Mm. The, her metamorphosis that is, like, psychosomatic is just so well done. Yeah. It is gorgeous in the most terrifying and upsetting <laughs> way possible. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of comparison to each other. And, I mean, that happens in that world, I think, in yeah. the dancing world, but also in performance in general. Um so it's interesting that even like in a film where they're making some kind of a commentary on that life, yeah, you know, it happened to yes. to that film. People, yeah. you know, and even and also, <laughs> I might as well mention this now that the director tried to make it happen as well because Darren Aronofsky tried to pit Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman. <laughs> this is like my favorite fact about this film. So he tried to pit them against each other, um, and he was like. You know, he kept them separated during filming. He was sending them both messages about each other, you know, about trying to be intimidating and being like, oh, you know, Mila's doing really good. You need to step up or whatever. And yeah. they're just really good friends. They'd be like, oh, my God, I heard you did really good on set today. Well done. <laughs> you know, they were just like celebrating each other, which is how it should be. People need to stop pitting people against each other, especially it seems to be really prevalent in like female performers. People want to just pit women against each other all the time. I still get it like on... If I'm scrolling through, like, Instagram reels or whatever, every yeah. now and then it'll be, like, you know, comparing two randoms. So that would be, like, Zendaya and Taylor Swift or something ridiculous. And it's just, like, why am I comparing this? It's, like, you know, even, like, a Who Wore a Better thing. It's, like, why do we, like, they both look great. Like, why are you even doing this? Why is it still, like, it's 2023. Why are we still obsessed with just pitting women against each other all the time. <laughs> just, like, love each other, you know? Celebrating Pride Month. <laughs> um, <laughs> all women should love each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, but y- you know what I mean. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's weird. It's just weird that that's still going on. And, like, everywhere. It's, I think it's one of those weird situations, um... It could be related to our biology. It could only be a Western thing. I don't know. But it is It is a long-running point you just made. It must not be just a Western thing, though, because Perfect Blue is making a commentary on this. Yeah. And that's, you know, a Japanese film from the 90s. Yeah, but there's, Japan's also different because it's not about just comparing women with women. There's mm. a lot of pressure in their society, and it doesn't like it doesn't matter which form of media. If you watch a a piece of art that is a, related to any person who's like at school and has siblings, it's like that that emotional damage guy. He makes jokes about it all the time. Mm. Like it's just like, oh, your nephew back in China could walk and talk and do, you know higher level calculus before he was two like you're a failure and yeah. it's literally then there's so much pressure um I think that's what turning red is, is a yeah, little bit like yeah. as well 
and it, and it's yeah that that's and, and again everywhere it, it, everything everywhere all at once. Thank you. Um, has, yeah. has that because it's about generational like you know people went to the states from Asia and then focused really 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 hard to be successful and then their kids grew up in a in a world of excess because they were so successful mm-hmm. and they think they're less than they were because they're not literally killing themselves yep. to to be perfect. Another another great queer film to shout out for Pride Month was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Because both Evelyn and Joy are, are queer. Yeah, Because yeah. Evelyn, in separate realities, is in a relationship with... Um, oh, I can't remember the character's Jamie name. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis is yeah. what's, what's her character's name? Diane? I no, can't no, remember. Something like yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, very. that's a film that very much touches on... Um, Hot Dog Fingers? Yeah. <laughs> I think the Hot Dog Fingers touches on you. Um, <laughs> no, but it's very much about, you know, uh, Evelyn judging Joy and wanting her yeah. to be better and better at this and better at that, whatever. But at the same time, then you see that that's how she feels. She, it's because she doesn't feel good enough for her own father. Yeah. That she's projecting that onto her daughter. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that film comes to a wonderful roundness at the end of it. But, um, yeah, definitely watch that film if you're if you're looking for a film to watch for Prime. Yeah, if, it, if you didn't get enough of the fact that it like swept the Oscars, um, <laughs> great film, great. Film. It's like because uh, I haven't I haven't seen the whale. I missed that in the mm. theaters, and I'll see that when it comes to um, some form of streaming service, probably hopefully soon. Um, his other work, which was the Wrestler, which is one of my favorite well, films of Black Swan was supposed to be Black Swan and the Wrestler was supposed to be one film. And then he thought that it was too much to tackle in one film, so he separated them into two yeah. films. It's but supposed to be about a wrestler and a ballet dancer who are in love. Okay, I, I like <laughs> the stripper, I guess. <laughs> I think that's a nice, that's a nice, like gritty realism. Yeah. Also, he apparently so this script was in the works for ten years, and apparently he approached Natalie Portman about it in like two thousand or two thousand and one, uh, two thousand and one when she was twenty. He approached Natalie Portman to be like, hey, I want you to be the lead in this film I'm, I want to make about a ballerina. Yeah. And then didn't get made for nine years after that. And she put herself through ballet training for it because they didn't have funding yet. At the, well, not, not in 2001. Like it was, I think it was a year before production yeah. started. She paid for her own ballet lessons so that she could be in shape and able to do the ballet in time for the film because she believed it w- they would get the investors but at the time they didn't have the money so she just paid for it herself yeah and then she fell in love with and got married to the choreographer for the film so yeah good for her <laughs> as you do it's uh yeah really intense mm. like those that form of dance is insane yeah um the pressure that you put on your... No wonder the Russians are, like, the best, like, at the best at it ballet, because, like, they don't give a shit. Um, why the Chinese are so good at the Olympics. Um, gym, gym, sorry, gym, um, what's, what's the gym, what's the gym sport called? Gymnastics? Gymnastics, yeah. I was like, gym, gymnastics, in my head, didn't sound right. Um... <laughs> Because they just like you get taken away from your family and you get stuck in a camp and you do that every day and mm-hmm. people feed you and do that and it's the same with ballet. It's like no wonder so many ballerinas smoke because mm. like you have to have something. Which is how Mila Kunis got through the film. Yeah. By the way, chain yeah. smoking. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, Natalie Portman had a history. She did, she did ballet as a child. Yeah, I think if you started off young, you could do it. But if like yeah, well, Mina Kunis didn't have a background in ballet. Yeah, she trained for six months for the film. Yeah, and they had to make it look like not only because of how she's described or how you know the the reason she's a threat to Nina in the film is because she does it like effortlessly. Yeah. So they had to not only make her be able to do a believable ballet, but they had to make her do it like in a way that made it look effortless. <laughs> So there's a lot of I think there's a lot of trickery around Mila Kunis's um things in that any scene where you only see her from the waist up she's not doing the proper footwork yeah um and you know she's doing some kind of hybrid to make it look the way it's supposed to look um and I think with Mila Kunis and with some of Natalie Portman's shots where it's like just shots of the feet yeah it's a double um. But it's funny because apparently there was like a whole scandal around <clears throat> the the double who was who doubled for um not Natalie Portman's feet double yeah yeah have you heard about this no no she like before the DVD came out she like went public and said that they almost every shot of Natalie Portman dancing in the movie was actually her with Natalie Portman's face superimposed over it and they were giving her credit for it and whatever and they're trying to claim that Natalie Portman did her own dancing when she didn't. And then they were like, that's not true. We had her there, and we've never said we didn't have a double, but we had a double for, you know, things that Natalie couldn't do, or whatever. And they went, they literally, in response to her, they went through the film shot by shot, um, all of the dance sequences, it was like 130-something dance sequences, and like 112 of them or something were Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, so there were, so it was literally like between 80 and 85% of the scenes where she's dancing is fully Natalie Portman dancing. Um, and most of the shots that's not, it's just zoomed in on her feet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> it's not that much of a scandal. Natalie Portman really put herself through shit to try and, you know, Somebody wanted their 15 minutes, so Yeah, yeah. They were just like, um, oh, I'm actually uh, Natalie Portman's Apparently face. the, um, the editor was like... Actually, you know, editing the, the the film together, he sometimes the dances were so perfect that he couldn't tell the difference between Natalie Portman and the double because wow. she did it exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as much as possible, he used Natalie. Yeah. You know. Um. So she, yeah, she properly trained for that. Uh, whereas Mila Kunis just chain smoked away. No, <laughs> Mila Kunis does a great job. Yeah. And any shot where you can see, apparently any shot where you can see from the waist up or see Mila Kunis's face, it's Mila Kunis doing the full dance. Um, so it's only the only shots where it's not Mila Kunis are where you only see the feet. Yeah. Um, and but part of how she got into shape was chain smoking. And then she hated it so much that she just gave up nicotine immediately after doing the film. Fair. Which she says is one of the best decisions she ever made in her life. Yeah. Which is fair enough. But um, yes, like you were saying, definitely, even on that film, the ballet dancers were going to yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. Sorry, I, went on a, I feel like I went on a totally no, tangent there. No, it's, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's what the whole podcast is for, folks, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's what you signed up for when you press play. Did you have anything you want to say in relation to, um, you know, these films with LGBTQ stuff in mind, considering Um, (laughs) they're less queer than I thought they were going to (laughs) be? The, from a male perspective, Mm -hmm. I can say this. (laughs) 
all the men in well, all the men in both these movies are creeps, um, abusers, and use the characters to get what they want. Mm. Um, the the uh, the scriptwriter who gets murdered, he's like just trying to you know literally he's everyone's worshiping at his feet and he's literally shitting them out literally while they're filming. Like yeah, he, there's it's not like the whole freaking season arcs planned it's not like true detective mm-hmm. um you know there's or dark or something you know there's he's literally shitting it out at on film day uh for the lines for people um you know trying to get her into the show and it's like oh how do we how do we get her into the show and it's like you get one television that's been like don't make her do this and the other one like no it'll be great for her she should be sexually assaulted in, in front of an audience yeah it's great for her career um you get the other flip side of that you get the completely obsessed security guard fan mm-hmm. who is so obsessed with this ideal of her mm-hmm. that he doesn't even know that it's not her yeah yeah um the fact that he's so overly protective of her that he goes out and buys every copy of the magazine that had her nudes in it. Yeah. Um, well, I should have said photo shoot because they weren't all nude. Um, but the, the explicit photos of her, like, goes out and just buys yeah. all And also, it. sorry, I wouldn't say they're explicit, though, either. No. Um, you know, she is mostly nude in them, but yeah. they're, they're not explicit photos. She's just posing. Yeah. And it's it's... Yeah, it's it's and then at the same time you get the um who's the I can't remember his name now. The the actual guy in charge of the ballet. Oh, uh Thomas? Is yeah, it? yeah. Leroy or yeah. Leroy? I yeah. Think. He's also using her all the time to get what he wants. And it's you know, the the violation of her, um throughout the entire movie is just played off as like I'm trying to motivate you. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. Like it's messed up. It's also if, if there was a third person in the room, yeah. You'd be getting fired, sir, I don't care. Like it's uh it's heavily implied that that's how she was conceived also. Yeah. That her mother slept with a director to get a part and she was born yeah. as a result of that because their mother's like, oh, you know, it was a mistake, or whatever, or, or I don't want you to make the same mistake I did, and she's like, hey, because she means, yeah, you know, the implication is that she's the mistake, yeah, um, and obviously, Beth has been sleeping with the guy as well, yeah, you know, so it's a, it seems to be like a whole thing in the, you know, within the the world that that we're looking at. There is not a singular positive male in either of these two movies. Mm. And I think that's one of the harsh realities of being a, 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 a female in this, this sort of anywhere where anybody's scrutinising mm. what you do, where you don't have other people around you to be just like, yeah. um, did you see that? Would you be happy yeah. if I, when I contact HR for them to talk to you as but a there's, witness? There's also not any positive women in it. It's true. Because you look at it like the the women that you're seeing in it, um, both was it Rami in yeah. in Perfect Blue and Lily in um, Black Swan. Swan. I forgot the name of the movie for a second. There. Um, they're both kind of people who who like on the outside or like in front of other people seem to be like you know um, 
talking them up and being like, yeah, yeah you know, you can do this, whatever. But then are going against them totally behind but their back. But then in saying that, though, how much is actually in... In Black Swan, how much is actually happening, how much is in her head? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very hard to tell. The juxtaposition scene, and I just had to talk about the choreography and the way that it's animated, and it's so beautiful, where she fully, um, when Rami fully snaps and is chasing her, yeah, and you get the sequences of like, and it's just so well done, and I can't, I don't know the best way to portray this verbally. Mm-hmm. She is a, literally dancing on the ear. Yeah, she's like ethereal. She's yeah. not real. She's this. She because it's an animated thing, they can yeah. have her like visually look how she imagines herself. So yeah. she's like perfect and she's glowing and she's in like the you know the tutu and the outfit that she's yeah. wearing you know for the the show and she's just like gliding almost yeah and then you see the juxtaposition and the reflection and it's like her who's older overweight and just like pouring with sweat chasing her like a psychopath yeah just like sprinting down yeah. an alley holding a knife or whatever it was an umbrella oh yeah it was an umbrella yeah, yeah she was gonna attack her with and it's literally again done in reflections that yeah. like you're seeing like this like real happy like oh it's just great. perfect smiling know. just like literally bouncing across the air effortlessly and yeah then, and yeah. then it's just you you, it's just passing and it's not even like a continuous reflection it's yeah. like in windows so there's like blocks between yeah. it. her just like absolutely gasping for breath and sprinting with this weapon um it's just so well done really well done really really well done but it's, i yeah. love mirror work in, in movies um mm. i think that's why weapon of choice the music video won an award okay because it's just how good any 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 mirror work where you think you should be able to see the camera and you can't it's just absolutely mm. just chef's kiss from the cinematography in my opinion also what about mirror work where you think you're supposed to be able to see the actor and you can't a la what we do in the shadows yeah Ooh, <laughs> ghost cop <laughs> for some of the most expensive sequences yeah, in that yeah. film are just erasing reflections because they erase them all from the they had a really shiny table. Yeah, they were in a pain in the butt. Yeah, that's the, the most expensive sequence in that film was that they've erased the reflections of the, the vampires from the, the table. So is there any other trivia you want to cover that we haven't already covered? Probably. Probably. Um, Perfect Blue, I mentioned that it was it was originally conceived as a live action feature. Um, one of the other things about it was that the original 35mm negative was destroyed by accident. Oh. So every copy that exists of it are sourced from low quality prints off that. So it's a good thing. I mean, it's lucky that we have it at all, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, but the original negative was, was just destroyed by accident. Um, yeah, I think we mentioned all the rest of the trivia I had for Perfect Blue. Uh, for Black Swan... Um, I feel like I mentioned a lot of it. One of the things that I found interesting was um that what Natalie Portman said was the most difficult challenge of the film was, uh, aside from the training and the dancing, was changing her voice. Yeah, because she is very childlike in that, mm-hmm. and it is yeah. Do you want to know the interesting thing about that? What's that? That's her natural voice. Oh, she spent. Okay years every film she was in so if you listen to like leon and um her in the star wars movies i feel like she sounds pretty like that yeah 
Um, every director she worked for in the thousands, aside from Darren Aronofsky, criticized how childlike her natural voice sounded. So she worked for years with vocal coaches to deepen her voice and to sound more adult. Um, and then she had to undo all that work. Jesus. For for this film because Darren Aronofsky was like, no, I want you to sound like that. I want yeah. you to sound like you're you're childlike, like you 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 know, repressed and you haven't actually become an adult yet. Um, so it's yeah, I thought that was really interesting, that she literally had been working for years, to not sound like that. Yeah. And then she had to undo it all, <laughs> for one film. Um, so she said it just really felt like you know, um, taking yourself back to a point that you worked really hard to leave behind. It's interesting that you, that, that's something you mentioned, because I think a lot of shit, you rekindled something in my brain, mm-hmm. um, when you mentioned Star Wars. Oh, right, yeah. Because, you know, as you, the prequels were not held in a very good light mm-hmm. by original trilogy fans, and yep. now they're held up in the light because of sequel <laughs> trilogy being as bad as everyone says it is. Yeah. Um, it's not even as bad as people say it is. It's fine. They're it's fine. It's just piss poorly written. Um, the, yeah, the whole, like, I don't like sand, the, you know, um, Hayden Christensen getting a lot of shit from his acting. Yeah. The sequence is being weird. That's the director. Mm. Because the actor doesn't know what they look like or how they sounded. It's the director's choice to be like, oh no, that's that's the scene, guys. Yeah. I don't like sand. It's rough and it's coarse and, and it, it gets, gets everywhere. everywhere. Like, how about a second take? How about getting your assistant director to take over, George? Because you're a fucking hack and you always have been. <laughs> um... So you just want to go to Star Wars round or were you going to say something uh, about Natalie Portman? No, no, just, just <laughs> point being is like... What you mentioned is like, okay, you, I need this from you. Yeah. You have to do it. And if she'd had a normal voice, she wouldn't have portrayed the innocent, naive girl. Because mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know how, like, through the entire movie, you're like, I don't know how old they are. Like, Yeah, it's surprising because I thought Mila Kunis was way younger than Natalie Portman, but they're about the same age. Yeah. Um, so they're nowadays... Uh, I think we're releasing this the same week that Natalie Portman turns 42 and Mila Kunis will be 40 this year. Yeah. So that film is, what, 12 years ago? So yeah. they're both in their late late 20s. Yeah, but they look like they're... They could be any yeah. any age. Between, you know, from 17 up, you yeah. know. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting. They, you, you have no idea yeah. what age what age they're supposed to be. And they are, you know, they are two actresses who are short and youthful and you know yeah um so they they could be playing any age it's so it's yeah definitely interesting that they chose to have them or to have i think in, in particular nina portrayed as as very childlike yeah but yeah it's interesting that her yeah that she that because uh, i had no idea that she had deliberately worked with vocal coaches to have a deeper voice yeah so the voice that we hear in Natalie Portman in most films is a voice that she has worked to get. You know? If I worked with a vocal coach to get my voice any deeper, I don't think anybody would ever actually <coughs> I don't know. Under- it's, 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 understand I me. I feel like it's tempting, because I hate how high-pitched my voice is. 
and it's just when you're under stress, sweetie. No, you... it's just in general. Well, like it's if just in general. <laughs> genuinely, if I listen to my own voice, it's to me I sound like a twelve year old boy on helium <laughs> all the time. Um, maybe I should just work with a vocal coach because that's what a lot of I. We bring it back to to Pride Month. That's what a lot of uh, trans people do. A lot of because you know there's this misconception that like, you know, as you transition, your voice changes. It doesn't. Yeah, because it's, it's... Spoiler alert, it, it doesn't. Yeah, because you're not talking about, like... <laughs> Hormone replacement therapy does, does not, not change, change your, your voice. physical yeah. vocal cords. Um, so when you hear people, you know, if you hear trans people and they're going through vocal changes, more likely than not they're working with a vocal coach or doing their own vocal work based on, you know, YouTube videos or just yeah. apps you can get to deepen their voice or bring it to a higher register, depending on you know, what, what their preference is. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting to have like a, to know that, that, that there's just like cis women out there who are doing that same thing. Who are going, no, my voice is too high and childlike. I need to make it deeper in yeah. order to be taken seriously in my profession, which is essentially what yeah, she's cha- had to do. <laughs> changing your voice is very difficult to do. Mm. To imagine to do that all the time seems very bizarre to me like yeah. I know what I sound like I've listened to enough of my not that I listen to our podcast I'm just saying like through editing other things that have had my voice on them I know what it registers like yeah sound wave wise I know we've had a funny complaint from one of our listeners yeah, who got really say. expensive um, ear vibration headphones and yeah. couldn't understand yeah, the yeah. hell I was talking about because <laughs> yeah, because voice... they're not because they go, but they're what are they? I can't remember what they're called, but they're headphones that go like on your brain, on your head. They don't go in your ear. I yeah. think they go outside and they just like the vibrations. They work the same way as like cochlear implants, or yeah. whatever. Um, which is it's just funny that apparently your voice is so deep that it yeah. does not work. <laughs> can't, cannot hear what you're saying. Just destroys it. It's just like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how, exactly how I sound. There's no difference between what you just did and what I just did. Oh, the spoilers, there was a difference. Lisa was doing an impression. Um, thank you for all who joined us for this episode and will be joining us throughout Pride Month for the uh, next upcoming episode. Because yeah. um, we like to celebrate... Everybody. Yeah. I also want to do a quick shout out. This is not mm. a sponsored episode, but... No one's paying us. <laughs> but it was suggested by one of the co-owners of Photo Restore. So uh, just just to be aware, this, this episode is not sponsored, but the promo code from our previous episodes is still is still valid if you if you want to get some photos restored or colored. Yeah. And they're going to be bringing in a uh, a service where they scan them for you as well, which they don't it's still not live yet, but maybe not too far in the future. Is there more information about that on our Discord at some I, point? Yeah, it's on our Discord. Or if you want to go back and listen to episodes I think thirty nine, forty, forty one, um <laughs> We've I'm glad you know, because I didn't even know we'd done 40 episodes of this Oh, point. this is this is episode 49, so our next one is a, is a, a fun episode. It's, it's yeah, I think it's going to be... You know what they say. You know what they say. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. True, true. Yeah, so we're on episode 49. And I don't say this enough, <laughs> but, like, there are probably tens of thousands of podcasts out there, folks, and I thank you 
for taking an hour plus out of your day to listen to us rant about movies you've probably never seen. And I appreciate everybody who's listening. It doesn't matter which country, creed, religion, gender, you're all welcome here. Thank you for your time. Sexuality doesn't matter. Gay people, we hate. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm Whoa. joking. <laughs> just, no, it's Podcast the, the only thing uh, you didn't mention. <laughs> well, I don't... Uh, it doesn't matter to me. That's yeah, I know, I know. Problem. I know, I know. It's all good. Yeah. Um, Where can they find us, Lisa? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at it takes two underscore pod. Uh, Facebook and Tumblr at It Takes Two Pod. We're on YouTube at It Takes Two NZ. Um, uh, our Discord server link will be in the description and in on our website and etc. etc. Our website is it takes two.co.nz. So you can go there for further info. Thank you for joining us. Be safe out there. Don't let the delusionary mirror version of yourself murder you yeah that's i mean do try not to do that (laughs) avoid mirrors especially if the person in them is not you yeah okay (laughs) goodbye everyone bye